You are now listening to Carly's Couch. I'm Carly. And I'm Lex. In this podcast, we discuss a wide array of topics about life and how to live your best life. Whatever that looks like for you. (laughs) Hope y'all enjoy. (laughs) Hello, hello, hello. Happy Monday or whatever day of the week it is for you. Welcome to The Bouch. We appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you being here with us today. We have a special guest, special guest that we're excited we about. Special guest, yeah, special Mario guest. and Luigi. <laughs> <Eat some> Mario. <laughs> Damn, we started early today. Okay, so first, I want to start with it's reading a, a review. Um, if y'all have not left us a review, please do so. We love to read these at the beginning of episodes, um, especially if it was an episode that spoke to you or something important. And so, shout out to Sobi. This episode was amazing. It touched on a lot of things I find slash found myself doing both knowingly and unknowingly. I'm excited to put a lot of the suggestions you guys provided into action. Thank you both so much for touching on this topic. And he was talking about our I apologize episode (laughs) saying that it was right on time. (laughs) (laughs) Right on time. Perfect timing. I thought that was a great episode, by the way. Oh, my gosh. Did you listen to it? I did. Did you experience that in real life? I absolutely did. <laughs> so, uh, also, um, oh, also I want to shout out uh, Nate, our VIP <laughs> listener, who <laughs> wished me happy birthday. I think he left hey. us a message, actually. Oh, did he? Because um, I saw the text version of it, or he either texted the number or called or whatever, but I appreciate you wish me happy birthday, so I just want to say that. Um, and we've also had past folks who leave comments about topics that they want to hear us discuss um and was that your friend yes yeah, so shout out to sarah for leaving us a voicemail she was actually our first voicemail oh it was on the voicemail mm-hmm. okay i can't yeah. remember how it was left yeah i got a hotline we do yeah we do got a hotline we got a bad phone all of that oh you don't need the number though <laughs> don't worry about that um but yeah she called in and asked if we could do an episode on grief and seeing as how like Carly and I were like mm, we haven't really dealt with that so much yeah, or at least not, for me we're not really subject matter experts and lately we've been trying to bring in people who are or who have experience and gems and life lessons and things for y'all around these topics and so we kind of set with that one until we found a person who could help yeah and so today we are talking about grief how you deal with it in a healthy way what happens when you don't and we have John Conyers the third here, who you see if you've been watching it, and here if you heard he made a couple peanut gallery comments. Um, <laughs> I don't let me not do that because he might roast me, and I don't I don't feel like doing that today. Oh no, that's not my. <laughs> I, I don't feel like dealing with that today. But but uh, we have John on to talk about grief because. Um, from speaking with him and getting to know him, uh, his father passed away in 2019. But then not only that, but then he would mention other people that were very close to him. And it's like, geez, like, how do you even deal with all that? Like, what did you do? How are you still dealing with it or processing it? And I realized that he could be a good person to talk about this topic today. So, John, we're thankful for you for chatting with us today. And for being here. And first of all, I think I'm going to let you kind of say a little bit more about who you are, what you would want to say as far as an introduction to give context to the episode. No. Um, <laughs> uh, my name is John Conyers III, uh, born and raised in Detroit, Michigan, a partner at EIA Alpha Partners. And between the years of 2016, in 2019, I had nine people uh, die, or 2020, I should say, I had nine people 
um, that were in my life or impactful in my life die. Uh, I would say, I think eight of those people, no, seven of those people died um, in 2019. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, um, and it was like back to back. Um, it was kind of like a, a momentum type of, if you if you can even say that, like, first it was 2016, my, like, an aunt who was really like my mother um, and kind of raised me and gave me the gift of music, which is a, a former career of mine, died. Um, and she was, like, the primary person that encouraged me in that. And then, you know, a little over a year passes, and then another aunt who was also instrumental in my life and took care of me passed. You know what I mean? And it was kind of cool for a little, like, not cool, but, you know, when you have someone like two important people like that pass almost back to back, like I would say that a year is not really enough time to like digest like a, a, a very, very impactful um, and close relationship like that. And so it it felt like before, by the time I had just kind of gotten used to like, okay, my aunt, my aunt Galinda is not here. My aunt Rhonda passed. And then I'm dealing with that. And so then there was a little bit of time to kind of process both. And there were just so many things happening, like I ended up running for Congress. So it wasn't that I had processed it, but I was like, my attention turned to other things. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really have like the time to, that you would normally take to process it. Just, I didn't, I didn't have it. And then 2019 started and everything you know was done. And then it just one hit after the other. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a, nothing in life can really prepare you for that as I've told many people and people call me and ask how I dealt with it. Um, and I would say there's really nothing that can prepare you for it, but I'll, I'll let you guys ask your questions before I just ramble. <laughs> <laughs> so would you say though, that since 2016, you have been in a feeling of, or been experiencing grief, like it's an ongoing thing. Um, I think 2020 was the year where I finally kind of took time for myself and took the time to really stop and process. Can I curse on this podcast? Yeah. All the shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just took time to like really deal with all the shit that was happening. Like, um, um, getting my dog who's chilling to the right of us. That was part of the grieving process. Um, yeah. So it's, 2020 was kind of the year that I, I was able to. So it's not a feeling the whole time. It's, are you calling grieving when you're dealing with it head on? So, so you wouldn't say you were experiencing grief that whole time, but that to take that time to process it was your grieving. Yeah. But I would also say that yes, to your initial question is yes. But I would add to that, that, um, and this is something that my cousin Celeste, who's aunt, I mean, whose mother is my aunt that passed in 2017. Um, when my father passed, um, I was kind of like, I just up and got out of Detroit. I just like, because I planned the whole funeral. I just like bolted to New York because I had work to do. I just put myself back into my work. And one of the things she told me in that is absolutely, well, that I find to be true um, is that grief is like a ball in a box, right? And it starts off like a giant ball in this box. And so because the ball is so big, every like and you think of your box is like your heart or your emotions or your feelings, that because the ball is moving around, it's always hitting something, right? Mm-hmm. And there's, well, there's a pain button in this box. And so 
because the ball is so big, it's always hitting that pain button. But over time, the ball kind of shrinks. So because it's bouncing and it can hit that corner or that corner, it cannot, you know, mm. it won't hit the button as often. But every time that button is hit, it hurts just as bad. So I would say that, like, you learn to, like, it hurts less on a day-to-day basis. But, like, mm. when it hits, that motherfucker hit. <laughs> like, it's no, there's there's no, really no way around it. Because there's nothing that, like, there's nothing that can fill the place of the person that was lost. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. And I think that's a great visual to help people who maybe haven't ever had to deal with grief or mm-hmm. maybe are still trying to, you know, figure it out themselves. Um, Real quick, I'm going to cut you mm-hmm. off. So if you're, if you're watching this, the woman's name is Lauren Herschel. And it's pinned to her profile, her Twitter profile. Um, and if you just, or if you Google grief is like a ball in a box, the whole article will come up and it can explain it far better than I probably just did. I know. That's that's perfect. And thank you for sharing that. We love to share like resources for people um, to go look up things and learn things. And so thank you for that. So back to Lexi's question and to expand on that. So you had all these things happen, um, and not all these things, you had all these people pass on you um, right in a row, but you were working and you threw yourself into that. So what did what did your grief feel like or what did you experience in that time mm. before you actually took that time for yourself? Like in those few years when you were grinding or doing whatever, like what was that process like for you? Oh, so I was telling Lexi uh, off camera that like how I grieve, because it was so many people and, they played such important, they were very, very important people in my life for one reason or another. Um, how I grieve is really, it is, I think it's strange and weird because of the transformation and learning how to grieve, right? So, like, the first time, like, you know, is like, a, a, I had turned 26, I was 25, 25-year-old, my aunt, who I consider, like, my mother, um, she passes, and at 25, still you know, in the music business, she was like, even my parents weren't supporting me, even though I had had success. Um, As my most ardent supporter, I was like devastated. And so like, when she died in April of 2016, I was drinking, like I was drinking nonstop. Like, I just drank and drank and drank. Um, You know, statute of limitations isn't up, so I can't tell the story. But (laughs) um, I did some things that like, I, I did, I shouldn't say things, I did something um, that was like a direct result of like her passing and it was fueled by alcohol. Um, 2017, my other aunt passed. I kind of was trying to be better. I recognized the problem, but I was still drinking. But then I think what really, really um, kind of made me change is when uh, my god brother died suddenly and he and I were just starting to really really get close um and then my cousin was murdered my uncle died um and it was just like I really gotta like because it was so much that like, you really gotta like actually process like what is happening and how you feel um so I think it, it just changed over time how I grieve mm-hmm. and like learning how to better deal with the things and not harm myself that answer was it the consequences of the way you were avoiding it or not processing it that made you realize you need to 
Um, that and like I was just hard on my body, like mm-hmm. as a person who's like a oh hold the mic higher. Mm-hmm. My levels are low. <laughs> test, test, <laughs> test. Mic check. You got me. Yeah, mm. he's getting hella comfortable. <laughs> oh my bad. <laughs> as you should. <laughs> so yeah, no, I think you know as someone like I, I try to stay in shape or whatever. I just noticed like my body was just like everything was bad. Like I didn't feel good. I'm, there's a little bit of vanity, so my skin wasn't looking good. Um, it was just, everything was just bad, and I didn't feel good. I didn't feel healthy. Um, yes, yeah, so I just kind of, like, took a step back, and I started um, therapy, mm-hmm. or like, around it. Uh, yeah, that was, like, those are the main things. When you started therapy, did you already attribute the issues to the fact that all of you, you were losing all of these people or did, is that something you had to like uncover and figure out? What do you mean? Like, did you already know like, Hey, the issue is I don't know how to deal with all of this loss around me. Or did that kind of come to something that you maybe learned? Like, Hey, you haven't processed it or Hey, maybe it's yeah, this no, or I that. Knew, so I knew I wasn't. So I've been full disclosure. I've been in and out. of I was a, I was a problem child. Um, and so I, I was in and I've been in and out of therapy since I was in like third grade. Oh, so you already knew what time it was. <laughs> so, not that I knew what time it was as much as I just like yeah. I knew that like what I was doing wasn't helping. Mm-hmm. I just knew like I was masking it. Like I wasn't really confronting the pain. Right. Like one of my like close like again, my cousin who was my my cousin who was murdered. Not like knowing when you know someone and, I, and I'm I'm from a place where like that is people being murdered is a norm. Like I've seen people, I've seen people with my own eyes get murdered um, and shot. So like, it's not, it's not that that was foreign to me as much as the person who was murdered, knowing who they were and then knowing all the things behind what transpired was like hurtful because of, because I knew the person. Um, And it was like, uh, okay, you really got to like take some time because like it's never going to make sense to you. So you got to like, really, and, it's, and if you don't take the time, like it's going to come out sideways. And it's all, it was compounded by the fact that <clears throat> I think in 27, well not, I think in 2017, I was all, also grieving like the, the end of a very tumultuous relationship and recognizing that like I wanted, I, ultimately I want to get back to a healthy place where I could be, productive in a relationship and have a healthy relationship. And if all these things, if I don't deal with that and then not processing grief, all these things are going to come out in one way or the other. And it could come out sideways on one person. It could come out sideways in the world. Somebody like in the things that I do as a semi quasi public person, it could come out, you know, someone asked me the wrong question, the wrong way or the right question, the wrong way mm-hmm. I could snap on them. And I just didn't, I didn't feel like based on the things that had happened in my life pre previously and the things that were uh, being said about me that I could afford to have that type of stuff happen. So I was just really focused on like doing what I could to control and be a better person, a healed person, if you will. I wanted to ask if grief is something you, you can be prepared for, but you already mentioned that it's Fuck not. No. Fuck no. So can you, can you explain why it's not, especially when you think about with you, for example, your father was 90 years old, so he was able to live a very long life, and yet you still would feel unprepared at 
them departing. So can you talk about like why you can't be prepared for it then? Yeah, absolutely. So like real quick rundown on like me and my father's relationship. Uh, around like very, very early in my life, my parents were married. So when I say around, I mean like day to day and involved. My parents were married my whole life. Uh, but like my dad's job, once I got to a certain age, then he was just very, very much so less present. Um, and I ended up going to boarding school, which obviously if he's home, even if he's home, he's not present cause I'm going to school in a different place. So I got to a place where like 17, 18, 19, like I just, I couldn't tell you the last time I like saw my dad or like just how often we interacted. Um, and so what was once like a semi-close relationship or like at least a productive one was like a non-existent one. And so I confronted him at like 19 or 19 or 20. And it was very, it was very much so not a productive conversation. Uh, And then I confronted him again, maybe at 21 and it, you know, there was an apology. There was like, you know, whatever and bygones are bygones. And we, got really really close but even as like a person who has a uh octogenarian follower of a father um you obviously you understand mortality like for me mortality was very very um evident and real to me because of like I watch the news. I see this person who's 87 dies. Oh, damn, he was born the same year as my dad. Oh, this person, oh, he's just a year younger, a year older, whatever. Um, but when you're foster, especially because we were rebuilding our relationship, our father-son relationship, and it was much less about father-son as much as it was about, like, we are just friends and we're just talking about life. And if I can give you advice or we're talking what's going on with you or, hey, dad, can you tell me about what's going on in Congress? Like, whatever. Um, you can't prepare for death because it's not simply about like even though I like obviously I knew my dad was gonna die and mentally like when, when people ask me are you sad about him being dead or like is that sad or you cry I think for me it was a and even for my little brother we talk about it, it's like yo what he was ninety when he died what more was he gonna do like he was in Congress he's a he has all these accolades he's done all these things there's not other than run for president of the United States, there's nothing my dad really could have done, like, in terms of to add to his resume. It's much more so the relationship, right? You can't replace... I can't replace the wisdom or the timeliness of the things that my father would say or his humor or his... Like, I just... You can't replace that. Um, and, and that's the thing that can't prepare you for. Like, mentally, I was prepared. Like, oh, my dad's 90. Like, I have to I have to realize this is going to happen at some point. But, like, when it happens, like, you you can never prepare for the absence, mm. especially when you, like, have a, when you've, you know, rebuilt and fostered a very, very close relationship. You just, there's just nothing that you can do, no matter how much you do, try to do it mentally. And mentally, I'm there. It's like, oh, hey, there's nothing more you could, mm. could do. That makes sense. I've only had one person close to me pass, and it's my grandmother. And it was the same, like, whenever Alexi asked a question, I was thinking, uh, you know people are going to die and pass away, but you can't be prepared for what that void will feel like Mm -hmm. until it's actually there. It's like you don't know until you're there. That's absolutely it. Um, And so, first of all, like, that is so much. Um, As someone who's only had one person, I've only had to grieve one person, and it was just such a tumultuous experience. It's like you never know, like you're talking about this ball in the box. You never know one day you're going to be crying, next day you're going to be angry, next day you're good. And you just kind of never know. 
yo, it's, 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 it's like some days, like I'll, something will happen and I'll smile. Like, oh, my dad's dead. But like, I'm happy because he gave me this thing. And now I can think of him in a happy place. Or other times, like I was just thinking about it yesterday. His favorite, my dad's favorite um, artist was John Coltrane. Mm. So, and it, and there's also a thing of like not beating yourself up over things that happen. Especially, I was a person that found my found my dad's body to care of him, all the things. So like, we got to John Coltrane died in like the '60s or '70s or some something like that. Um, yeah. So when he passed, like, how it was presented to me that like there's John Coltrane died. There's no more John Coltrane music. Fast forward to 2017 or 2018. I think he, he there was a they found some old reels of his music as he was like transitioning styles an album called Both Directions at Once and I got to share a new unheard John Coltrane album with me and my dad right that's like that's like if Jay Z dies tomorrow and they find something with my kid and me I can like be like oh damn like you yo, don't know nothing about this young blood but like I'm playing I'm playing like my son like all these Jay Z albums and then like. And then 20 years later, after I told my son that this is all there is, there's more. more, And I get to share me and him. Like, as I'm near the end of my life, we're able to share a new John Coltrane album together. And we both love it. Um, But there was another one that came out in 2019, literally a month before my dad died. And so Mm -hmm. I have a I'm torn about whether I should listen to it or not, because like. Mm. I don't get to share. It's like it's like a oh, damn, there's new John Coltrane. I feel like I missed it. Like, I could have shared that with my dad, but because I didn't, like, I don't really want to listen to it because that'll just be there. I got all the John Coltrane that there is, is, like, both directions at once and everything that me and him share together, and that is just out there because it's, like, he gave me John Coltrane, so I don't really want to experience this, this thing without him. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's just so many things that you can't really account for. Yeah, Yeah, I can imagine that. Um, a question I would like for you to answer is during any of this period where you were dealing with loss, is is there anything that somebody said or did trying to help that was the wrong thing? As a person who hasn't really dealt with so much grief, I'm curious as to good ways and destructive ways of trying to comfort somebody else or like trying to be there for somebody else and what that looks like. It's a great question. Um, I so I can't really answer that question because I can't really answer that question because there's nobody that really did anything that wasn't helpful. I think what I would say to anyone or to everyone is that like I think every no I think everyone processes grief differently um, and death and loss whatever. I think the number one thing is to give people grace and give people space um, based on reading the person. I just had someone who was is a close friend call me uh, maybe a week ago, two weeks ago, and apologize to me because of how they behaved while my dad, when my dad was, when I was planning like all the funeral and I was, just, I literally planned funeral from top to bottom, had to call, organize, and do all the things and like, they, but that person already knew all the people that had already died. And then, like, two months after my dad died, another one of my cousins was murdered that I grew up with. Um, and she apologized because she was like, I didn't understand how you didn't have the capacity to just be available to me to, like, like mm. 
I'm not trying to not talk to you. I just don't, I can't, I don't have anything to say to you. Like I'm literally trying to process like, yeah, my dad just died, but then there's all these people that before him that I'm still like trying to process in my mind. And then like right after that, someone else died. And so I think the number one thing to do is just like be patient and be kind to people because like you just don't know how it's affecting them and how they're getting through. I don't, I don't, for me, I'm a person that like, I'm not really trying to talk to you about like anything. I just need my time, my space. Like I'm not a big crier. Um, in fact, I could probably count on, on my hand, on both hands, how many times I've cried since my dad passed. Um, so that isn't the thing. I think it's just a, a matter of just knowing, assessing the person. And trying to be what they need more than there's like a right or a wrong way. But the absolute wrong thing to do is like prioritize them communicating with you about what they're mm-hmm. feeling. That's the fucking wrong thing to do. And that has happened to me. To and that shit and that shit will like I don't think that me and this person like well oh I'm not a vindictive person. So like I like or uh, I don't hold grudges for real. Or I try not to, I should say. But I'll like our relationship will never be the same because they prioritize like me communicating with them about what was going on with me or me making room in my life for them when I'm trying to process all this loss. And how do you balance though, especially when it's like family, you dealing with the grieving and being around like a mom, a brother, other people who also do feel it as well. Like how do you, how do you balance all that? Or is it not your problem, not problem, but you know, not your responsibility necessarily. Well, I think it's different, right? I think, I think, it depends on your your family dynamic, right? I don't I didn't I don't come from a family that's very communicative. So, like me and my brother talk, but as far as like my mom, I think she has her, she had and has her own support system through when my father passed. So, I was not really concerned with it, it just I'm just being frank, like I was not concerned with um how she was processing cuz I like if you want to talk about like you know if you want to use analogy, I was, I did this shit from the rooter to the tutor, if you will. So like I found my dad's body. I had to call my little brother. I had to call my mother. I had to call my dad's younger brother. I had to call the corner. I had to do all the things. I had to call the, the funeral home. I had to fucking pick out the casket. I had to call every celebrity that was going to come speak in my, at my dad's funeral. I had to go to the church to plan out everything. I had to Make sure there was a list. Like, okay, this is these are celebrities that are coming. This is where the this is where who, the the this is where the politicians are going to sit. This is where celebrities are going to sit. This is where okay, all the people, all the people that are just from the city of Detroit. Once the after we seat all the celebrities, whatever, whatever, they're going to sit here. Okay, damn, we're going to go to the we're going to take this path to get to the to the cemetery. The, we got to make sure the military is there so they can do the twenty whatever the salute is that you know my dad my dad was a veteran. All these things I had to pick out all of his outfits. Oh, I'm a Mason. My dad was a 33rd degree Mason. So I got to make sure we do. I got to contact the, 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 I, why can't I, not the, not the lodge, the grand, I have to contact the grand lodge to make sure my dad gets the, the burial, the, the proper burial for a 33rd degree Mason. I got to contact Kappa Alpha Psi to make sure he gets all the whatever. I had to do, I did literally everything. So quite frankly, I wasn't, because I didn't have the help, I really wasn't fucking concerned with what anybody, like I literally, my dad, the funeral ended, all the things ended at around like I wanna say six thirty, seven o'clock at night after we put him in 
put him in the ground. I, we, I went to the repast for like 30 minutes. And then I, me, my homie who I texted, like my homies who I texted, like right after I found my dad's body, we went to the cigar bar, you know, cigar bar, cigar bar where I go to, uh, back home. And my publicist came, my publicist was there. Uh, both my cousins were there. I smoked cigars while we're at the table eating dinner and smoking cigars. I booked my flight to New York to go be in New York with my business partner and client because I was like, yo, I'm about to like do something for me. And like, even though it probably wasn't the healthiest thing to do, I just had to get away from that environment. So I can't tell anybody how to do it. I would just say you have to do what's best for you because ultimately, um, what I know what will kill you and what can be very, very harmful and unhealthy is trying to be everything for everybody. And you're not taking time for yourself to cope with the shit that you're dealing with. And you can you can literally die from heartbreak. So I would say do what you need to do for yourself um, in a healthy and productive way. Yeah, I think that's so on point. And there is no right or wrong way. But like you said, you got to kind of focus on you and figure out whatever that is. If that is going to a cigar bar or going to therapy. Um, was there anything else that was really helpful on your journey? Because you mentioned a little bit in the beginning, it was kind of self-destructive and you were trying to figure out how to deal with it. And then you noticed that and were like, okay, I can't keep living life like this. Started going to therapy. Was there anything else in like that phase that was really helpful for you for learning how to grieve or taking better care of yourself? Like resources you could give to listeners, like things they could maybe do if they're dealing with a similar situation. And even just ideas. <laughs> You're like, nah, I did it wrong. Learn from me. <laughs> no, I definitely did it wrong in the beginning. I think. But that's like natural though also, I would think. Yeah, yeah. no. Like for is, anybody to, to go through that. Yeah, so I just, what's the best way to say? I definitely did it wrong in the beginning. My bad, I mean, like, uh, I did it wrong in the beginning, but I would say that the most important thing is just evaluating, trying to be self-critical. Like, I'm a very self-critical person and try to, like, if I get it wrong, I'm I'm happy to say I got it wrong. I'm not happy to say, but I'm willing to and um, more than okay with being wrong But it and, and trying to course correct. And so I just saw how I was acting and how it was destructive and it just wasn't beneficial to me and for where I was trying to be or who I was trying to be to the people I was trying to be that for or to myself. And it was just a matter of making that tough decision to at least try something. Um, and I think it's really, I don't know if this, this, this is not just about grief, but this is just about in general, you got to have people around you that want, the best for you um, and want to see you in a, in a, in a good place. That's also very helpful. There's people telling me when like, yo, you're fucking up or you're wilding out. Like part of it was like, I went, to <laughs> so, uh, oh, man. <laughs> yo, this is really crazy. So um, my oldest childhood friend his and I feel bad. I really got to apologize to uncle Hussein. Uh, at some point, I got to apologize. I got to call him and apologize. Uh, he, my oldest childhood friend, his uncle invited us to a Floyd Mayweather watch party. And this is when back when you could go outside and there wasn't a pandemic. Uh, and it was at a very wealthy and potential client of my hedge fund. And he was going to introduce us. Um, and me and that person are not Uncle Hussein, but the, the potential client. We're still close. Uh, but I was still dealing with my, 
aunt passing, I just dealt with a very uh, traumatic breakup. And I don't know if it was, but I think it may have been, whenever that fight was in 2017, I'd have to Google it. Uh, but I think it may have been after my aunt passed in 2017 because it was a little brisk. I remember the night being brisk. But my we all went to this this fight party, and when I say I was acting ass, I mean, like, I was, like, yelling. Like, it always, I was yelling. Like, I was watching Floyd fuck whoever it was up. Like, I mean, Floyd was going crazy. But I was like, it, it had to be the Conor McGregor fight, and that had to be after June because Floyd fights in, like, fall. So it either was either spring or it was fall. Either way, Floyd was fucking Conor McGregor up. And it was, I was being uh, a little over the top, and I had a few tequilas, as I have now. And I would, every time Floyd hit him or made him stumble, I was, like, screaming, <laughs> loud yelling, as loud as hell. <laughs> right? Loud as hell. So the, the, the person who invited me was like, yo, can you chill out? But, <laughs> but, but, the, wild, but the wild part is... Their boss was like egging me on, like, yo, go crazy. Like, yeah. I'm thank you for being here. Like, we need this. Um, right? So it was, it was crazy. But then my homies were like, yo, we don't care. Like, we love you. But just know, like, yeah, you were wilding. And like I had to take a step back. And then like me and the uncle are still cool, but it was one of those things where like, yeah, but you were there as my guest. I don't care what she was saying. Like, you're my guest. So it was one of those things like, oh damn, this is a person that has, I've known since I was a kid. They've always looked out for me and I may have embarrassed them. And it was just one of those things where, oh, all right, so like I don't think I'm doing this. I don't think I'm handling all these things right. Like it feels good because like I'm turned up and nobody's telling me anything and I'm not causing any like real damage. But like in reality, this is not healthy and this could go the wrong way. So that was really that that night. Shout out to Floyd and Connor. That night was uh really the the turning point for me. I was like, oh, I need to like reassess some things. And I think my mom told me about myself one time too. She was like, Yo, you're drinking a lot. Like I was, I was drinking a lot, like a lot. <laughs> so it was one of those things where I just, you know, had to just take a step back and decide if I, you know, was going to be alcoholic or not. Did you do any journaling or um, like have an outlet with writing or, Exercise. you know, yeah, doing anything, any not habits a, well, besides drinking? Uh, well, I, so I'm a former songwriter, um, so I wrote like a whole album that through that time linked up in the show notes, guys. Be sure it to listen will, to that. It will, abso- it. it will absolutely be not, not be linked up in the show notes. Um, but you have heard my music before, if I if I can flex. But yeah, I, that yeah no. Um, or I shouldn't say you heard my music before. You heard my my songs that I songs that I've written before. Um, but yeah, I wrote this entire album and. Yeah, I actually wrote two. One was like the grief of like the loss of the breakup, um, which is another form of grief. But mm-hmm. I don't think that's covered. I don't think we any loss. Grief. You can I talk about that too. I think there's levels though. There's levels to loss of something you cannot, somebody you cannot see again, and a situation that did not turn out the way it, you thought or wanted it to. Mm-hmm. Correct. It's, but it's it all is still very much lost. Like yeah, you can apply all these things to any loss. I think. Yeah, I think, so I'm going to touch on it just really briefly. So in writing both of these albums, um, one was like, uh, 
the most therapeutic was the law, the album about the breakup because I literally chronicled the album. I mean, a, break, a relationship from like the highest highs at the beginning to like, oh damn, this shit is ending terribly. Um, and I think it was just how abrupt it was. Like even though like I knew, oh this shit is not about to pan out at all. <laughs> but like just the way the way it didn't pan out was just not at all. <laughs> the, the way the way it didn't pan out was not healthy, and it was just not not at all what I anticipated or expected or thought. So like, um, and it was super super abrupt. Um, and it was similar to death in that like you go from talking to someone every single day to like mm-hmm. I haven't talked to this person literally since X day for in three years, right? Mm-hmm. Or four years. So it's just one of those things where it was super abrupt. And then the other album was like chronicling my both my the loss of my aunts and just like everyday life in, in certain aspects. And so that was that was kind of the most therapeutic part of it. It's just like being able to write and get back to that. Um so yeah, I think you got to find what your things are to help you get through it. And what's um, the balance though between like running away from it and avoiding processing our feelings and being busy and staying busy? Because I would imagine that it makes sense to like run and get straight to work and like to keep doing things. And I feel like I see that motif often in movies and TV where you just get busy. But I feel like some of that is necessary, right? Like how do you know when it's too far off the rails? I mean, it's the same thing. I, I mean, for me, and what I have come to understand is like what I, I know that I'm avoiding something because I get the same feeling I get when I'm avoiding other mm-hmm. things, right? Mm-hmm. So like, if I'm supposed to be doing work, but I choose to go on sneaker news or to go on Twitter or like something else, like I know like, damn, you know, you should be doing this. Or when you're when you get the feeling of like sadness, or your chest gets tight, and then you run to the mm-hmm. fucking freezer and you grab that fucking tequila instead <laughs> of and and instead of like allowing yourself to cry, mm-hmm. or you you know you call a girl to fucking sad mm-hmm. fuck instead of <laughs> like you know like I'm just I'm just keeping it a bean like you you just do things that you probably you know that like you're only doing to push that feeling away. You're, you're using something else to make you feel when you know the feeling that you should be feeling mm-hmm. is that pain, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. That's the thing to keep you simple. Like that's it. You know, like, you know, the thing that's stimulating you is not the thing that you're supposed, that is supposed mm-hmm. to be stimulating right now. Distracting yourself. That's it. Uh, do you feel like with all of your experience and grief in various forms with losing people, um, you know, from this earth and then also relationships, like, are you, do you feel like you're getting better at grieving or have you gotten better? Lex asked me this like a few weeks ago. Um, I did. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I'm, I don't, so one of the things I'm trying to, so I'm going to go back to therapy and I intend to soon because I don't know that I've gotten better at it as much as I've learned how to, I've learned how to deal with it Mm. in a way that doesn't spin me out or put me, in a bad place or is not detrimental to the people around me, but I don't know that I'm, yeah, I'm just not, not, I don't know that I'm good with it. And I think that like when it comes to like helping other people with it or trying to comfort other people, I'm not good with that at all. I'm very, I'm very, very matter of fact in that, Oh, this person died. 
Well, they're dead. Life goes on. And I think that's because it is a byproduct of having two of two people that I literally grew up with, right? Murdered less than six months apart or exactly six months apart, right? Like, and both of their bodies were just left, like, one was left on the side of a house, it was left in the front yard of a house, like, and just niggas had to find their bodies and whatever, whatever. Both had, like, one was unrecognizable, the other had a closed casket, right? So, just in having to deal with these things and kind of process that, I just, how I look at death sometimes is a little skewed, if you will. Or, yeah, skewed is the best way to put it. I just kind of like, as much as I try to deal with it in a healthy way for myself, I'm not, I'm empathetic, but I don't not, I don't know that I'm good with the sympathetic part and comforting part because I had to deal with so much of it in such a concise or condensed period of time that it's just like, yo, that shit's part of life, y'all. Y'all got to figure, you like, you're going to have to figure this shit out, right? And I don't think, and I don't, and I don't think that that is good in terms of being someone who, as someone who likes to support people and likes to be there for people, taking that stance when having to deal with people that I know, like, I know for a fact that Lex hasn't really lost anyone important yet. I know for a fact that, like, I have cousins that haven't really lost people yet on, like, different sides of the family. Like, if I'm a person that, and I know that I'm a person that they look to, if I'm going to be that person when they look to me, when that shit ultimately happens, I got to work out the shit in in preparation for that. Mm Mm-hmm. Forgive me if I'm kind of asking the same things in a different way, but what would you say is helpful for, let's say if if we have a person who is like, they're still in that mode of like, I just want to be in my dark room and, you know, like, because sure, like things have helped, therapy, writing, whatever, but like, how do you, how do you like jump out of like, I need to do something or like, you know, out of, out of being in a very dark place? Or getting unstuck maybe. Yeah, like how, how can you, or is that not something you can answer for somebody else? I guess. Yeah, you can't. How you get unstuck you out of it? No, you I don't think you can answer that for. Any, I don't think you can answer that for anybody else. I think, um, that's just got to be a you. That's a you thing. Mm-hmm. And there are times where, like, I, you know, I was very I'd still be in a dark room. <laughs> I was destructive. There's like, I, there are times when I was very, very destructive, even before people were dying, and then people died, and I fucking added fuel to the fire. And even in 2021 and 2020, there are things that I do that, like, like I'm aware of it because I wanted to be better and I've done the work. They're like, oh, this is the behavior you're trying to get away from. But I think certain things are always going to be there. And if until you're ready to confront those things and change them, I don't think there's anything that you can really just this is my perspective. I don't mm-hmm. think there's anything you can do. I know people that like, you know, I have a cousin who is like, his mom died when we were seven. I remember it like it was yesterday. We were on the way back from Chicago. And like I knew my mom, my mom just screamed, like, when on the phone. Mm. Cause his dad called and said, obviously said, like, oh, Carla died on Carla died last, you know, last night or whatever. And then like something I knew that we had left. We saw my aunt before we left. And then like I just knew. And then we got back to Detroit, went to his house and whatever, whatever. So he still very much deals with things like from a he has, well, I should say, he has a short fuse. He's not good with emotions. He's not good with talking about emotional things, and he gets very, very angry. And until, like, and he, he has two kids now, and there are certain things that, like, I recognize because, like, that's like my brother. We're born the same year. It's just, it's, 
that you can directly trace his behavior and his his emotional I wouldn't say incapacity because he's has capacity for it in certain aspects. But like the way he handles certain things, you can directly you can draw a direct line, straight line back to this thing. And so it has to be a choice and you have to be, you know, self reflective enough to want to be better or try to be better or try to not I won't even say better because he's not a bad person at all. But try to work out the things mm-hmm. that hinder you from being like a fully developed fully developed in certain areas. Like those triggers and wounds. Correct. Well, sorry for being long winded. That trigger is such a trigger is such a so much better words than all that shit that I just said. I mean, but you put the words to it from the lived experience, right? Like Mm -hmm. I can read an article and say, "Yeah, you're gonna get triggered," but it's like, no, you have all these life experiences, and that's a very real side effect of having things happen to us, whether relationships, whether losing people that we can't control, and you can't control your triggers, you can't control your wounds, you can't control days when you might be sad or be stuck in that room or you know, setting shit on fire, whatever, figuratively, literally, like all those things. Um, And I I think there is no right or wrong way to deal with grief. But the thing that you said the most that stuck out to me is like, you can't self-destruct. Like you have to make sure you're doing whatever that looks like to try to not like bring yourself to the ground with everything else. Yeah. Let me add this. Yes. But I would add, so like Thursday, I happened to, there was a video of my dad that I was just scrolling through my phone and like, it was just like a video of him saying some shit. I don't know. But it was very like, it was timely because I'm dealing with some things with uh, this company that I'm a partner at. And I would say that one of the, if as you're dealing with self-destructive things and trying to work things out, or even if you're not dealing with self-destructive things, I think part of grief is honoring the relationship and like allowing yourself to feel all of the things. So a lot of times, like when I was younger, because um, death has been a, like, it's very, very weird. Like I remember where I was when like, you know, one of my cousins um, committed suicide when I was like 13 and I, he was like a big brother to me, the cousin I just told you about and another one of my cousins. Um, and the best thing to do, you know, if you, if, cause you're going to feel the pain is just, cry like sometimes you just gotta let that shit out and part of honoring the relationship and the importance of the person is allowing yourself to feel and allowing yourself to be hurt because again there is no like i can never replace like like i know everybody thinks their dad is like super wise and knows the shit yo my dad was really like <laughs> that nigga, like he died at 90 and he was like really an integral part of like he's just saw so many things in america like he was a war veteran. Then he fucking came home and went to law school. Started one of the first African American law firms in the history of the city of Detroit. Um, he's just a pioneer for so many things. Like he co-founded. Like he just he did so much. And so like and I don't know if I can't say I can't say that that is the reason why he was like this old sage nigga in my life. But like <laughs> <laughs> like not like I haven't spoken to a person as wise or as like timely as my father when I asked and need insight, insight. But what I would say is in me crying and me like, you know, going back and watching videos and, you know, being, allowing myself to be fucking hurt. And like some days I don't want you around and like, sorry, Lulu. Sometimes I yell at my dog and like I, <laughs> it comes out on her like, yo, Lou, can you just go sit down? Like you got to honor the, the pain because there's no replacing, there's no replacing these people. For whatever the thing was, it could be that like, yo, 
my cousin came over and we, you know, he he had the pack. And whenever he came over, we would talk about certain shit and he would tell me about, you know, his daughter that, you know, he had that, like he is left behind, right? And tell him about what's going on with her and like all these things that are going on with his mom, right? I'm never going to get those conversations back. And like, I don't know his baby mama like that. So like me feeling a sense of connection to him, like, and to her came through him. And so like, those are things that you like, you just can't get back. And so because of that, like whatever happens, sorry to be long winded again, but you just got to honor the the feeling and the things. And like, it's going to hurt less. The more you honor it, it's going to hurt less. But the more you try to push it away and like avoid it, it becomes like almost like this elephant in the room. And it like, it like weighs on you. So I think that's actually an appropriate place to end it because essentially it summarizes all of this in that like honor your feelings, honor, you know, how you feel about the person or about the loss. Um, and before we go, we want to acknowledge you, John Conyers the third, for being here with us, for still being here on the earth, for having dealt with so much in a way that allows you to have something to give back to others and to empathize with. And I think that's very valuable. Um, I I learned some things and I'm over here feeling kind of scared <laughs> thinking about death, which is terrible. But um, I feel like a lot of people will be able to identify and I feel like this is one of those things where everybody would have their own kind of story. Um, so for those who are listening, Sarah, hopefully she listened to this one. Um, I'm interested in what your thoughts are about what John has said. If you agree, like what was something that worked for you, what didn't, like what your journey looks like. Um, when you guys comment on YouTube or the post on the site or Instagram or wherever, um, we definitely look forward to kind of hearing your thoughts on the topic as well. Yeah, and things um, that you have dealt with and that have, might have helped and could help other people. Again, thank you, John, for sharing. Um, of course. Yeah, rehashing that or, you know, these lived experiences. Can't imagine it's easy, but there is so much insight um, in, in what you were talking about and so much value. So also, uh, John, we always do like a shout out at the end where we shout out like a friend or people we know or something cool that's happening. And so with you being a guest, we want to just give you an opportunity if there is like anything you want to talk about that you have going on, if you there's places where people can reach out to you or about what or if you don't want them to. <laughs> Uh, look, holler at them on LinkedIn, like whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I be pressing LinkedIn on people. Yeah, do it. Yo, <laughs> hit them on LinkedIn. But no, like, like give your spiel if there's anything that you want to direct people to. Direct. Um, <laughs> you, I wish you. I wish you. I wish I would. Mm. I ain't prep you for that. My bad. You didn't prep me for that part. Well, I mean, um, yeah, we shouting you out. You might. You might. It might just be check out the company. I don't know. Yeah, so have I talked about that? I didn't say anything about that. No, I don't think so. You can yeah. say whatever you want, though. I'm trying to be quick because I'll be long winded. So, uh, again, I'm John Conyers III uh, from Detroit, Michigan, and I'm a partner at the first minority owned hedge fund in the history of the city of Detroit and the first quantitative fund in the state, or the only quantitative fund in the state of Michigan. Um, so, if you have an interest in finance, um, you want to talk through some things. Uh, What's the name of it? It's damn yeah, I didn't say that. What the fuck? <laughs> 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 yeah, what's going on? See, this is not my thing anymore. I'll be I'll be chilling. 
EIA Alpha Partners. Um, EIA Alpha on Twitter and Instagram. Um, yeah, holler at me. Holler at us. I'm around. Holler at you how? Email? Social media? Social media. Don't email me. Which Do social not. media? Uh, yeah, which are the burner accounts? Shall they <laughs> find you? I don't have burner accounts. Oh. Uh, I have all my social medias are the same. Mr. Conyers, all spelled out. M-I-S-T-E-R Conyers, C-O-N-Y-E-R-S. I'm sure they'll tag me on their college, on Barley's Bouch. There you go. Uh, uh, But yeah, it's your boy. Holla at me. (laughs) (laughs) And we don't have, why we didn't think of a question? I, I, can I put you on the spot? Ask question. Yeah, so also at the end of every episode, we ask like a random question, like it's the question of the week that we can say, this is my answer, this is your answer, this is your answer, and then the, the listeners can say whatever they want. So here's my question. Here's our question of the week. John Conyers third. what piece of advice or wisdom do you most look forward to passing along to your children? It's not that deep. That's it? <laughs> yo, no, no. No, no. What's crazy is, no, no. Yo, what's crazy is, so that situation I told you about that, uh, that I talked about, that we talked about on the podcast with the grief of a relationship, my dad literally, so my dad, oh, man. So my dad uh, was a legend in his time, uh, in, in, especially in his prime. And so I was just asking for some relationship advice. And he just let me talk through the whole thing. And the conclusion I came to was that it's never that deep. And he was like, yes, that's correct. <laughs> he was like, he was like, yes. He literally said, like, I was talking, I was talking. I was like, what about this and this, this, this? It's just that it's never, it's not that deep. And he was like, yeah. Yeah, that's like, it. He was like, yeah. All the way to he was like, yes. But, you know, I feel like it takes seeing a, a, seeing a lot of things to, like, recognize that. Just, like, if you could think back to, you, everybody remembers their, like, high school, like, a sweetheart. Like, when shit happened, it was, like, deep deep like yeah that was the end of the world and like the longer you go and the more you deal with things it's just like yeah yeah but he took that approach but i, I think appl- that's hard to teach but i've applied but he never told me that uh-huh. and i've applied that to since that moment mm-hmm. we were riding on seven mile road mm-hmm. riding down seven mile i forget where we were going but since i got that advice i've applied that to literally everything and been winning ever since. What the? Really? Fuck? I can't even. I can't even. Detachment. I guess it's not even detachment. It's like it's not that I don't care, but it's like, right, but it's not that deep. Because if it's supposed to happen, every, anything that's supposed anything that's supposed to happen is gonna happen, and and good that's or good. bad. And so once it happens, whatever happens, let that shit happen and move on, and appreciate the things for what they are. And I, I literally, this is a man that I never like. The one time he got mad at me, I think I was five or seven years old. Wasn't focused on my homework. This nigga slapped me across the face. <laughs> and, I'm sorry. And, yo, oh, and I never see him even scowl. Like, I'm he, thinking like, about yeah, like a slap. Yeah, slap. He had scowl. He, like just popped me like, pow. Open hand. Because my dad was like, my dad, listen, you got to understand, my dad and MLK were like best friends, like literally best friends. And he was not nonviolent. Yo, but that's, so he was like, not, this nigga was a nonviolent, nonviolent. Then somehow I got slapped across the face. And I was like, yo, if I made this nonviolent ass nigga slap me across the face, I must've been doing something wrong. I never want to see this again. So like, I always just stayed in line ever since then. So like, <laughs> but yeah, so that's why I take his, again. I take, listen to all, I listen to all of the, most of, not all, but most of his advice. So I try to at least. So yeah, it's not that deep is what I would tell everybody in the world. Yo, that shit is never that deep. Yeah. That's good. I bang with that. Lexi, what, what about, about you? Uh, <laughs> I couldn't get out fast <laughs> enough. Um, so. 
what kids? Um, but you know, for any youth in my life, or my kids, maybe. There you go. What advice would you give? Somebody kids. Somebody gonna have kids. Um, I think something that I will want passed along or to explain would be uh, something around like putting yourself first and uh, like folk, like being clear on you and. And putting that above most things. Yes, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, that's that's pretty much the same Like, thing. not being a people pleaser. Not just being a people pleaser, but, like, just you are the one who matters in your life. So put yourself first. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say love yourself first. Find out what brings you joy. Find out what you're passionate about. Find out what you care about. Do those things. Jesus. Yeah, to do that, you got to know how to validate yourself. Facts. Yeah, absolutely, which is an important topic. Cool. Which is our next week's topic. Y'all won't be back for that one because I can definitely talk about I can definitely speak to that. I'm just talking shit. Yeah, we're not about to do a part two, John Kanye. Don't worry about that, listeners. You won't have to hear him again. No, sorry. We're just giving him a hard time. Damn, haters. No, I love that you were here to talk about this stuff. Um, so thank you again, John Khan. We appreciate you. Lulu, you um, want to say anything? Lulu is his dog who's here. She's just chilling in the stew, chilling on the bouch. Um, yeah. Yeah. So thank you. We'll see you again next week. Dan, can we end this the right way? We still on the podcast, Carly. She taking pictures. And I'm shit. gonna post it on the social media. See okay. Damn. Chill. <laughs> we talking about guys. They can't even see because your phone don't went out. Right. But anyway, <laughs> Lulu. Thank y'all we for joining put this us. Picture right there. Let we'll it stream. See y'all next week. Bye. Bye.